Um, and I know my children, when we use it, they grumble and complain. Why? Extra dishes that can't go in the dishwasher. You have to wash them by hand. Um, and so, but China is basically, it's special. And it has a special purpose. And so it's the same thing when we talk about holiness, God's holiness, um, it, it, it's an analogy. And that's really the name of God that we're going to look at uh, this morning. And that is Yahweh Kadesh, which you don't know what that means because I didn't know what that means, or maybe you do. And it means the Lord who sanctifies. Yahweh who sanctifies. Okay? And sanctify means to make whole, to set apart. This is set apart for special uses. It's more valuable than the everyday things, or the, the uh, normal dishes that we use around our house. To consecrate, to dedicate. And in a sense, both people and things can be consecrated or made holy. And so this name, the Lord who sanctifies, um, he, only he can make us holy. Only he can do that. And so we're going to see that. And so here in 2 Kings, uh, we're going to look at a, a verse, and here's going to be the negative um, example. And so this is basically under King Hezekiah. You can go back and look at the history under King Hezekiah and uh, the, the king, um, King Sennacherib, does anybody know who King Sennacherib, what, what nation he was over? I think I heard it. Assyria, very good, absolutely, Assyria, which was north of Israel, okay? And so Assyria were godless people, not godly people. They were godless. And so look what, look what uh, um, the prophet reveals here. In uh, 2 Kings 19, verse 22. By your messengers, you have mocked the Lord, and you have said, with my many chariots, I have gone up to the heights of the mountains, to the far recesses of Lebanon. I failed its tallest cedars, its choicest cypress. Wait, I'm reading the wrong verse. Verse 22. I'm like, wait a second. Where is the holiness of God in here? I'm lost. So you caught on before I did. Very good. You're like, how long is it going to take him? Let's go to verse 22. Whom have you mocked and reviled? Against whom have you raised your voice and lifted your eyes to the heights? Rhetorical questions. Against the Holy One of Israel. Assyria. They um, despised the Holy One of Israel. They despised the Lord God. They were against Him. They didn't like Him. They didn't follow Him. They didn't listen to Him. And so there's the negative example. Let's look at the positive. Turn over to Jeremiah chapter 1. Or you can just look at it up on the screen here. Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 5. Here's what he says. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I 
consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. And so what is God saying here about the prophet Jeremiah? Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. This is God talking. He knew before he was even created, conceived, and born, God had purpose for Jeremiah's life. And that's what he says. I consecrated you. I set you apart for a specific purpose. Now, some of you might be like, wow, man, he's got a big book. Yeah, you know what God called Jeremiah to do? Preach for decades. And you know what the, you know what the success ratio of his preaching would be? That's a very politically correct way to say it. Very low. There was hardly any, there might have been some, but surely not much fruit. And so that was a divine calling. And God was basically saying, you know what, you're going you're to feel what I feel. Because they're not rejecting you, Jeremiah. They're rejecting me. And so what does he say here? I consecrated you, Jeremiah. I'm setting you apart as holy. You're going to get to do this. Because it's the Lord who sanctifies. The Lord who sanctifies. Turn over to Isaiah chapter 8, another verse. Isaiah chapter 8, verse 13. There's another name that we're going to get to, uh, I don't know if it's next week or the next, this first uh, verse 13, it says, but the Lord of hosts, that's a name we're going to get to, um, like I said, next week or the next, but that's, but the Lord of hosts, him you shall honor as what? Holy. Holy. As holy. Let him be your fear and let him be your dread. The Lord who sanctifies. God is holy. He is clean. He is perfectly pure. There is no one like him. And so the truth is, the only way we can become holy like him is because of him. It's because of him. And so we're going to see that. We're gonna, so uh, sanctification, it's, it's, it's a process. It's the process of becoming holy. Okay, And so it doesn't happen in a day because you know what? You can make a good choice in this moment and the next moment you make a poor choice. You can be listening to God's voice in this moment, and in a dime, you can totally disregard him, right? Isn't that the truth? I mean, we look nice coming to church, but that's where we all live. And so God, it's his job to sanctify. He is the Lord who sanctifies. So turn over to the book of 1 Thessalonians. We're going to camp out more in, uh, in here. We're going to look at these couple verses. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. So here's what, he, here's what Paul says, verses 23 and 24. Now may the God of peace, we're going to look at that name too, and I'm not sure what, the God of peace, we're going to, that's going to be one of the ones that we're going to catch in the next two weeks that we're, we're coming down here. So now may the God of peace 
himself, so there is double emphasis, God of peace, himself, it's a double, sanctify you completely. God's not into 92%. Amen. And he's not into 99.99999% because 99.9, and you can stand up here and talk for the next 10 hours and add nines, that still is not holy because holiness is perfection. It's complete. It's whole. And so it's hard for us to grasp because all we know is less than perfection, right? When I look in the mirror, when I look at my own life, less than perfect on a regular basis. And I think if you were to be, and if we were to be honest, that's the where we are. But God, and what is he saying here? God's goal through the gospel, he's the Lord who sanctifies. He wants to make us holy. Now look what he says next. And so here he gives us the, the process that he uses. Okay? Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely and make your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful and he will surely do it. And so he singles out here three different aspects of, of a person. He says, look, uh, put it back to verse 23, because I don't want us to miss this, that he would make, may your whole spirit, that's the first uh, quality that he, that he gives. And so part of God sanctifying us, it begins on the inside, and it works its way out. And that's what you see here. He says, whole spirit, then he says soul, and then he says body. Holiness has to start on the in before it can come out. That's why the Old Testament law, it was never really designed to make them holy. It just taught them that they needed a savior. Because you can wash till you're blue in the face, that doesn't change your soul. It just helps you see, you know what? This isn't working. This lamb isn't changing my heart. That's why we needed the perfect lamb who gave up his blood. He's the only one that can do that. And so that's what he says here. This first one, this whole, the, your whole spirit. What, what, what does he mean by that? Here's what he would, would talk to, or what, what he means by that is, the moment you put your faith in Christ, you become a what? New creation. You are a new person. He says it here, your whole spirit. You are whole. You are perfect in Jesus Christ. Jesus said it to Nicodemus. If you're not, what? Born again. It's another way to say it. And if you want the $85 theological word, regeneration. Regeneration. You can find that in, First Thess or, uh, in Titus and some other passages. But what is he saying here? And basically he's saying... You can't become holy in your own strength. You can become moral, you can make moral choices, but morality is not holiness. It's not. Holiness is a quality of God. And so the moment you trust Christ, 
Remember last week we had the judge up here? Judge, Judge Smith. I was thinking Judge Judy, and he doesn't look like Judge Judy. And my mind blanked out. And so basically, when the judge says the verdict on you because of Jesus' blood, not guilty, you are declared holy. But then you start the process of, I'm going to make you holy now. And that goes your whole life after you trust Christ. No matter how old you are or how young, you never get done. And so that's what he's saying here, this whole, your whole spirit. And so basically, if you're here and you've never put your faith in Christ, you can be moral, you can be good, you can look good on the outside, and I'm not negating that, but I'm saying the Lord can't sanctify you because he can't just revamp what's there. He's got to make you a new creation. And if you're here this morning and you're a believer in Jesus Christ, guess what? You're whole, complete, and perfect in Christ. We have all the divine resources available to us. Well, Steve, so that means I should become perfect this week. Well, theoretically, but practically, no, you're too weak, and I'm too weak. We'll never get there. We'll never get there. But the divine resources are there for us. And that's what Paul is saying here. So uh, can you bring, the, bring that path? So the next thing he says, whole spirit. So if you've been regenerated as a believer, if you're here, you've been, you're a new creation in Christ. It's available to you. It's there. So what does he say next? Then he says, and soul. And so what does that mean? Because the truth is, within your soul, you still have your old nature, don't you? You still feel the battle. Who am I going to give in to? Who am I going to feed? Who's going to win out? Our next series in, uh, in, um, in June, we're going to do a series on the, the fruit of the Spirit. And you're going to hear this over and over again. Every second of the day, we're in a battle. We're going to listen to our flesh, me, or am I going to listen to the Spirit of God? And the Holy Spirit is in tune with your whole spirit. So that's why we need to be walking in step. And that's what he's saying here. And so then the third part here is, as you say yes to the Holy Spirit and you live in surrender, the next thing that he says here is the body part. And your body. God wants your body to be sanctified. To be sanctified. So contrary to popular belief, your soul and your body are connected. We want to try to separate them, but they're not. Okay? They are very connected. Let me give you, and, and here's the practical part. Let me give you a couple examples. Any of you uh, struggle with anxiety? Or, or let me just ask, how many of you have anxious moments? For, for, don't, okay. Anxious moments. Yeah, let's, let, that's, that's where we're at. So we have anxious moments. And so do I. We all do. And it's not always a feeling, okay? Sometimes it's just there. 
Does God want us to be anxious? No. He doesn't. He wants us to have peace, right? And he knows us, though. He knows that we struggle, you know, find ourselves in a new situation, and it's like, I'm not sure what to do. My first day going to Miller Welding, I paced back and forth. If you were at the fireworks store out here, you would have said, what's wrong with that guy? He's going into a new environment. I'm feeling anxious. What if they laugh at me? What if they throw eggs at me? I don't know. I was anxious. So what does the Word of God say? Let me give you one example here. We'll bring up Philippians 4, verse 6. Do not be anxious about anything. Okay? So we know what God, he doesn't want us to be anxious. He tells us how to overcome that. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, which supplication is a big word for giving your request, with what? Thanksgiving. Let your request be made known to God. So there's a lot packed in here. We don't have time to look at all of it. But the Lord who sanctifies, he provides the divine resources for us. Now, you might be saying, Steve, that's hard. I know. So just because it's easy cognitively to look and say, well, I know that. Why is it so hard to do it? Because of our flesh, because of our heart, because of our soul. So I'm not minimizing here, and I'm not saying this is easy, but the truth is it's available to us. Because the Lord who sanctifies. The Lord sanctifies. He's the one who does it. And the truth is, if, if we're going to put it into practice, we're going to have to do some surrendering. We're going to have to do some work. We're going to have to let go of some things. And so I'll give this example in the last part. A couple Sundays ago, Sarah asked me, she's like, are you stressed? I said, yes, I am. And so that morning I said, you know what? What do I need to do? And so I sent a text to one of my God friends and said, I, am, I have to confess that I am anxious this morning. Would you pray for me? It didn't all go away. But you know what? I was allowing my, the new man to follow the Spirit of God. And that also played itself out in my body. And so that's the Lord who sanctifies. Let me give one last one here. Psalm, eight, or Psalm 4, verse 8. Um, we've talked about this one before. <clears throat> Got it there, Daniel? So you don't have Psalm? All right. He's trying to... I usually take credit, but this one is not my fault. Psalm 4. So here, I'll read the verse. 
I'll read the verse as he's, as he's getting there. In peace I will both lie down and sleep, for you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. In peace I will both lie down and sleep. Here you have the, the, the difference between body and soul. Every human being can physically lay yourself down on a bed, right? That's your body. But just because you're lying down doesn't mean your soul and your mind can sleep. That's your soul, right? And so what the psalmist is saying here, in peace, I will both lie down physically and sleep spiritually. God brings those two things together. And so we've all had nights, and I've shared it with you. We have nights that we're laying there staring at the clock. I'm lying down. Why aren't I sleeping? Something's going on in my soul. Something's going on in your soul. And so the point here, it's the Lord. The Lord who sanctifies. See, that doesn't sound very spiritual. Sorry, but that's what God wants to do in our lives. He wants to make us more holy. So as you think about your own life, maybe some of you, you're, you get frustrated because you keep struggling with the same old sins. And you know what? It's God's will and desire that we would become more and more like him through the process of sanctification. And it is a process. And so I get tired of working at it, and you probably get tired of working at it, but you know what? That's the only way we'll become more like Christ. What is God's part? He has provided the resources, and he does this. He does this. Well, what is our part? Well, we need to stay away from things and issues and practices that are contrary to his holiness. So he has a responsibility. We have a responsibility. We're responding to him. But it's only the Lord who can sanctify us. We can't do it independently of him, no matter how strong you think you are. And you can fool yourself, and you can fool your Christian friends or the world. You can be moral, but only the Lord can make you holy. So we're going to sing. I'm going to invite the worship team to come up. We're going to sing a couple songs here, and then we're going to, in a moment, move into a time of communion um, very appropriately. Be reminded of Christ's blood and his sacrifice. Well, because it costs a lot of money to get the rocks that are all over the place into where you want them to be. Okay? And so rocks, we, we all know about rocks. And so one of God's name, and uh, I think it's Zur, Z-U-R is the English, which means God, our rock. God, our rock. It means that he is firm, that he is a protector, that he is an anchor, that he is our foundation. He is our rock. He is our rock. And so in Deuteronomy 32, um, this name comes out in in a number of different places. We're not going to read the whole 
the whole chapter. Um, I'm just going to give you the, the, the verses. I think there's five verses in here which uh, Moses is writing and says, God is our rock. He is our rock, okay? And so Deuteronomy 32, uh, look down in verse 4. It says, the rock, his work is perfect, for all his ways are justice, a God of faithfulness and without iniquity. Just and upright is he. So there you see it. Look down in verse 15. He says, but Jeshurun. Anybody know what Jeshurun is? Neither do I. And so this morning, Pastor Joe texted us. So I'm going to read his text because I didn't know what it was either. And Jeshurun is a poetic nickname. So even God has nicknames. A poetic nickname for Israel, meaning beloved. God's nickname of the beloved. And so that's what he says here in verse uh, 15. But Jeshurun grew fat and kicked. You grew fat, stout, and sleek. Then he forsook God who made him and scoffed at the rock of his salvation. Salvation. Look over at verse 18. You were unmindful of the rock that bore you. Doesn't that sound funny? How in the world can a rock give birth? Well, God is the creator. It's who God is. And you forgot the God who gave you birth. Look down to verse 30. How could one have chased a thousand and two have put 10,000 to flight unless their rock has sold them and the Lord has given them up. And then the next verse. For their rock is not our rock. Our enemies are by themselves. And so here he's given an analogy of um, other nations that have other things that they put as their rock, little r, but it doesn't compare to God, who is our rock. He is our firm uh, foundation. And so, and so I think, as you think about God being your rock, or God not being your rock, um, you know, just a, a couple areas of application. And so, the question is, what do you depend? What do you depend on? Do you de- depend on your job, your personal health? your income, your family members, your political outcome? Are they the things that you put your weight on in comparison to God the rock? God the rock. And the truth is, if we put our weight on anything other than God the rock, it will never pan out. It will always disappoint. Always. And so, God is calling us to say, make God your rock. Trust Him for the future. Actually, I'll invite the worship team to come up here. Trust Him for your future. Trust Him for His work in your life. Trust Him to correct you. Trust Him in your trials. Trust Him when you're attacked and maybe unjustified. 
Trust him when you fill in the blank. He is our rock. So why don't you go ahead and stand up, and uh, we're going to sing two 